0: to the Nifty podcast presented by Partyfish Media a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all around the world film starts here at Nifty 2018 presented by Oculus from Seattle Washington My name is Robert Spiewak and I am one of the programmers of Nifty and I'm sitting down here with the filmmakers uh, of the film Stevie's Aliens, which uh, played in our throwback screening this year at Nifty Um, and it's great to sit down with them, we have Austin S. Harris and Sydney Butler. Uh, Thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having
2: us. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Absolutely, Um, so why don't we just start, um, give us a little bit of a a plot synopsis uh, rundown of Stevie's Aliens
1: yeah sure uh, so the movie is about Greg and he is a high school senior who finds out that he just got rejected from uh, the his top choice school he's looking to be a writer and he uh, is about to go to a concert with his girlfriend when he sees what he thinks is a UFO mm-hmm. and he meets this sort of strange other uh, kid named Stevie who knows seems to know more about uh, the UFOs and so together the two of them, work to summon this thing. And it's, you know, sort of going for like a vintage uh, Spielberg type vibe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's sort of just a movie about uh, belief and uh, faith, and just like optimism. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: And so what were your two um, roles on the project? Uh,
1: So I wrote and directed it. Mm -hmm.
2: And And I produced it.
0: Okay, great. Um, And so uh, where did, I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. glad you mentioned Spielberg so that mm-hmm. I didn't have to say something. <laughs> um, uh, where did um, where did kind of the inspiration, the idea, like what the kernel of this story come from?
1: Yeah, um, so I made this project for my um, uh, senior thesis at NYU. Mm-hmm. And so it's an optional class that I really wanted to do. And, you know, we were supposed to come into class with an idea. And I sort of had this very very different, complicated idea that then my teacher said we should try and do a 12-minute or less film focusing on like two or three characters, which my idea wasn't. And so I was really struggling to think of what to do, and I wrote um, another idea that was totally different and showed it to my class. And the professor, uh, his name's Yamana, he's really great. He detected that I wasn't really passionate about this idea either, Mm -hmm. and he really encouraged me to figure out what I wanted to do because... This class is not mandatory, and so I needed to care about this project in eight months, or mm-hmm. you know, I needed to to care about it enough to finish it. Yeah. And so, I sort of thought about what made me want to go to film school and be a filmmaker in the first place. And yeah. for me, I really grew up watching a lot of Spielberg movies, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind specifically was the movie that I saw that really made me just really want to go to film school and be a director because. Wow. You know, it's just you can tell that he cares so much about the subject matter, and it's so different and very optimistic and and beautiful. And so I realized that 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 was the thing, like the sort of film I loved uh, the most. And also that was the summer after Stranger Things came out, I think. Sure. And and I was like, and again, that's like someone else who realized how cool that sort of uh, suburban uh, sci-fi vibe is. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to sort of take a swing at uh, what I thought that would be, and. So, yeah, it sort of came from that and just, um, yeah, I guess that's about it. <laughs>
0: yeah, and so Sydney, how did, um, you mentioned before we mm-hmm. started recording um, that you're from LA, he's from New York, how did you to how did you become involved with the project?
2: So I went to NYU, we went to <laughs> NYU oh, together. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I just live in LA now because I graduated. But, Got it. so I went to NYU with Austin and he was in Yamani's class. I was actually in an advanced TV class at the time, but, um, in the spring semester, I had nothing to do because the class was kind of done. So, and he was like, can you produce my project? And I was like, sure, okay. <laughs> and it was just a lot of work getting the cast and crew, but mm-hmm. I loved it because I like loved Spielberg as well, and I knew his vision, and I created the poster. <laughs> <laughs> I was invested, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: that's, that's mm-hmm. awesome. And so, um, with that, um, with using, like I guess, um, Uh, Closer to Cars of a Third Kind, or just you know, Mm -hmm. general Spielberg vibes to jump off of. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you feel um, like? How did that fit into your creative creative identity um, from like other work that you've done, or like how did you kind of create that full puzzle piece of this film,
1: that and yourself? Sure. Um, So yeah, I I spent a lot of time, and I'm still I guess figuring out like Mm -hmm. what my own style is and what I like writing and um being at a film school people tend to make a lot of like very serious like depressing uh, <laughs> movies with drugs and and, and, <laughs> and and stuff like that and so I, I did spend some time trying to make stuff like that um, and I'm not saying that that's wrong per se but it's just I it's just not the, the sort of things that I grew up watching and really liking yeah, yeah. Um, and <clears throat> I, it's interesting, uh, cause I, in order to pitch this movie, I sort of went back and picked out other similar movies that I'd made. And I, uh, I wrote a project, uh, with a friend of mine that was about, it was about sleep paralysis, but like we linked it to having to do with UFOs. And, uh, when I was in high school, I, uh, made, I wrote a short film about, it was almost like a scary version of Men in Black, because that's you know that like the Men in Black thing is based on like a real myth about how if you see a UFO like they'll come visit you. Yeah, yeah. And so I wrote something like that, and so I guess like UFOs have always been like sort of uh, part of part of my work, and mm. um, I mean I guess I also grew up watching like the Twilight Zone and uh, just a lot of those sort of like blockbustery type things, and so. Yeah, when I when I look at this movie and other projects I've made, I guess the common thread I've always sort of thought of movies like especially in that escapism sense where you yeah. can sort of, uh, I guess like I like I really I really like making fun movies and even if it's sort of scary, cause I, I like making uh, thrillers and and horror stuff as well. Mm-hmm. It's still sort of just like making people like feel something really intensely for a little bit and sort of escape what's going on in the real world. Um And so yeah, I guess that that's sort of what the common thread is because like because this movie is on the surface like very different, I think than anything that I've ever been able to make because, uh, you know, it was the first time I've had these sort of resources to to sort of uh, accomplish uh, something that has these sorts of like visual effects and things like that because um, everything else I've done is like definitely much, much smaller. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess the common thread is just this sort of, uh, sort of like an adventure type type deal. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, and so um, then I guess Sydney, what um, w- what do you feel uh, was your stamp on the film as a producer, and where did that like collaboration kind of show up in the film for you two working together?
2: Yeah, well Austin, I was helping you with the script, I feel like, mm-hmm, so I've yeah. read the previous drafts that Yamano mm-hmm. was like, get rid of, or mm. whatever, and <laughs> I feel like my I really feel like I came into play during casting, and then also like helping with. Did I help with art direction? Kind of. Danny did most of her work, but like mm-hmm. I loved like being in the room with her and like making mm-hmm. sure she was like on top of that because I knew how much that meant to you. Yeah. Um. And ca- finding the house and like stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that was my mark. I feel like yeah. <laughs> on the
0: film. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. <laughs> um. And so, uh, I also just wanted to talk about because I, I feel like there's, um, a little bit of. Um, there's always kind of a debate with movies about aliens. I think of mm-hmm. how much we see of mm-hmm. the aliens, or how much is shown, or yeah. what like the audience is made known. And so um, in this one, we kind of just see um, a lot of things that allude to the presence of aliens, right? Mm-hmm. And so where where how how did that um, decision come about of like of deciding how much to show? Um, because there's a a lot that happens, Mm -hmm. but we don't see the aliens.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was definitely partly born out of, like, I don't know anything about VFX, and and, uh, and so I I was worried about that, definitely. Um, But then also at the same time, I was sort of comforted by the fact that, like, everything I've been taught with filmmaking is that the less you see, the better, and so Mm -hmm. I sort of was thinking, like, okay, it's not a big deal if, I, if I'm if i not able to show a huge spaceship or something. And But honestly, I ended up showing more than I thought I would be able to because wow. I definitely don't have a lot of uh, technical knowledge when it comes to uh, filmmaking. And yeah. so in writing the scripts, I, honestly, I pictured when uh, Greg sees a UFO in the beginning, I really thought it was just going to be like a light on his face, and that's all we would see. Yeah. And, uh, I really owe it to my both my DP, his name's Alex Haas, and uh, my gaffer Danielle Niazzi, because I described to them ideally what I wanted, and they're both just like, no, no problem, and built this menace arm. And there's and basically what you see, it's all practical. We don't really have many VFX, mm-hmm. um, definitely nothing uh, major, and it's they they yeah they built this thing, and and is <laughs> being on set, it was just so incredible to see. Uh, what they put together because we actually we were shooting the first scene in the movie which is uh, Greg and Julia outside of uh, their school yeah. and while I was there with them and part of the crew shooting that the like most of the crew was putting together that this the, uh, the big uh, close encounter scene mm-hmm. and so when I got there they had already built most of this big arm and it's, it has this light that comes swinging towards Greg mm-hmm. and it was just that and a fog machine and yeah so it's incredible to see uh to see that come to fruition Mm -hmm. but yeah I always I always knew that um you wouldn't really see much of them because I didn't really want to define what they were honestly I think it's sort of cooler if it's just this light that it's like uh sort of you know symbolic in a way as well like the, the idea of like a light and I also love uh, just yeah, the, the scene in uh, Stevie's bedroom where like all the electronics and stuff are going insane, yeah, and yeah. Julia's bedroom as well. I just think that to see that and to see how they're reacting to, honestly, what in in the story they helped make happen. I think that's more interesting to me than anything I would have been able to do with uh, visual effects or some sort of like alien costume or whatever. Yeah. And I mean yeah, Sydney mentioned also too. The script went through a bunch of different drafts, but. We never, and we like we toyed with the idea of alluding more specifically to the UFO coming back at the end, but it was never an idea of uh, them definitely seeing the UFO by the end. I guess spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but uh, I always knew, because I think that in terms of story, it's more about them, the fact that they all believe in this UFO as opposed to whether or not it actually comes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I kind of like that the most definite thing we see is this big light and then uh, just all the effects of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, to um, talk about the characters a little more, mm-hmm. um, like I, I feel like um, the inclusion of um, there being a relation, uh, a romantic relationship, as part of the movie, in mm-hmm. addition to just Stevie and Greg, because mm-hmm. I feel like Stevie and Greg could have been the mm-hmm. could have been like a whole short film all itself. So, what mm-hmm. made you want to um, add kind of a third a third party in and have you know a different? like, two sets of relationships in the film.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's funny because the movie, it started, there were way more characters in the first draft. So I don't life. know if you remember. It was yes. a lot. It was, because it was Greg and Julia and Stevie always, but then... The bully. Uh, yeah, like, Greg, <laughs> Greg and Julia had more friends, and it was, like, it was the whole thing. Yeah. And my... Uh prof- Sydney and my professor both were trying to convince me to like to winnow it down. And my <laughs> professor was like, try and write a version with Jess, Greg, Julie Julia, and Stevie and see if you can do it. And I was sort of like, yeah, right. But it like it ended up working out. Um but yeah, sorry to answer your question. Um I so for Julia, I really wanted I I should say, like, for all these three characters, I wanted somebody who fully believed in in things that are insane. So that's Stevie who can he like believe in these UFOs and that's fine for him. And then I wanted Greg to be sort of in the middle where he like writes these stories about UFOs, and mm-hmm. he's sort of he's like definitely a writer, so his sort of head is in the clouds, but at the same time he has a lot of self-doubt. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum is Julia, who is very confident, but um, she is somebody who just like believes in things that you can prove. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's in the production design, but it's not really, I don't think said specifically, but she's, like, very good at science, and so she definitely, like, the idea of UFOs, it's, like, something that's just totally beyond her, and and even, I guess, the most clearly uh, we sort of discussed that is when Greg is talking to her in the beginning about not getting into school, and her suggestion is that he take a break from writing, which... It's not like the most, you know. Yeah. It's not what he needed to hear at the moment, but at the same time, it's like a very like rational thought. Um. And so, I really wanted to to have all three of those people, and then while Greg is sort of whisked away with Stevie, Julia kind of represents that uh, part of Greg that doesn't believe in things that are uh, insane mm-hmm. and. But then over the course of the film, obviously, she comes to believe it once she experiences it firsthand. And it really takes... Uh, it, at the end of the film is is when she finally sort of believes in it. Um, but I guess I wanted to have sort of a tension because I didn't want just uh, Greg and Steve to be going off and finding this by themselves. I guess Julia sort of represents the part of Greg that, uh, that still has uh, doubts. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and so... Um...
0: Uh, an- another question that um that I that I just have in general mm-hmm. is um like what was uh like one of the biggest challenges that you you faced you know. From from beginning getting the idea all the way through,
1: um, finishing the film. Um, oh my god, uh, there is a lot. <laughs> um, I guess I think locations.
2: Uh... Yeah, well, location and transportation because mm-hmm. we had to get a swinging crew of like. There was 20 people on our crew at the most mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Saturday, which was that big scene, and then it dwindled down to like 10, 7? Even
1: 7, I think, seven. for some, some of the scenes. So
2: we were like in the middle of New Jersey, and we had to get all of these people in and out,
1: mm-hmm. and it was,
2: one, our, our best boy didn't speak English, and, got, mm-hmm. and Penn Station was like shut down that day, and I, just getting crew to mm-hmm. New Jersey was like <laughs> the biggest challenge for me, mm-hmm. like trying to tell this person how to get to port authority yeah, so he was, walking was him through the on hardest the thing because yeah. he didn't speak english and i didn't know what to do mm-hmm. um but yeah it worked somehow and also shout out to our other producer caroline mm-hmm. who had a car that like she would drive people to the city like at 3 a.m yeah i like
1: promise. that was insane <laughs>
2: yeah
1: um yeah and then i think find, finding that location in the first place was it was a challenge in pre-production i would say because it definitely worked out uh well for us but we, I, I always knew that I wanted to shoot it in South Jersey, which is where I grew up, and mm-hmm. sort of near my hometown, just because it has that suburban vibe. Yeah. And I figured that people would be excited about a movie shooting there, and some people were, but not so much the people whose houses that we were trying oh. to be in. And I mean, I like, my my house was gonna be a backup, but I, I know what film crews do to yeah. locations, and so I was trying to avoid <laughs> using my own house as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, Sydney, Caroline, and I we reached out to over thirty Airbnbs in New Jersey, and three of them got back to us and said that we could come visit ahead of time to see if it would work. And on our way down, one of them dropped out, and so yeah. there was two left. Mm-hmm. One of them was ended up being a townhouse, and so we were worried that like the the people next door, like yeah. if we made too much noise or they're making noise, that would be a problem. And so we had one house left, and it was. Perfect. Um, I
2: can't believe we found that. Out. Yeah, That's
1: uh, Betty and Jack O'Donnell they own this Airbnb in Marlton, and all three of the bedrooms in the movie are all in this one house. And so we were like we were walking around taking photos of all of them because it was so great, mm-hmm. and they were so nice, and they're really excited that uh, at the prospect of a movie shooting here. And they lived in an extension to their house, and so they always uh, Airbnb'd out sort of like the main house. And so we were staying in the house as well as shooting there and we were shooting from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. every day and i feel i feel really bad they they said that they couldn't hear us i don't know if that's true or not yeah. um, mm-hmm. but and like and you know we have all these insane lights and stuff and like we were climbing out on the roof to set up uh, like pretend we had street lights outside uh, and things yeah. and on the la- i remember on the last day jack came to talk yeah. to me and like in a, like the nicest way possible was kind of like oh like cuz they mentioned that another pe- another uh, film crew had shot in their house before and but, but Jack came, and he was like, wow, like, the other film, like, it wasn't this big. Like, yeah. You guys have a lot of stuff going on. Like and they didn't know
2: about the lights.
1: Yeah, and like all like the flickering yeah. lights and things. And we had a flicker box, so it wasn't like yeah. we were, uh, uh, you know, like, turning the lights on and off, literally. But... Um, but yeah, he was sort of like, oh, so this is like the last day that you guys are here. Like, <laughs> um, get out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but oh my gosh, yeah, they were so nice. And they even like had food for us. And they donated yes. to the film uh, as well. Wow. And yeah. yeah, they were, and this would not have been possible without them. Uh, yeah, they were great. So I think that was that was a point of stress early on. And then actually, the place where we were shooting the UFO scene initially uh dropped out two Mm -hmm. days before because the timing just didn't work out we um they wanted us to be like done by midnight and that meant like being like all like the cars had like everyone everything was packed up and gone by midnight and we ended up shooting that until like 4am um but the sort of plus of shooting in my hometown was that i was able to ask uh the recreation and parks department who these people that i've known since i was a kid if we could shoot in it's park in my hometown, and they let us do that for free mm-hmm. and stay as late as we wanted, and so that,
0: that was, was amazing. Awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah,
0: cool. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, Austin, you've mentioned that um, you've had a film in Nifty before, mm-hmm. uh, but this is your first year attending. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, this is a question for both of you too, though. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Uh, how did the screening go? How did you feel
1: audience reception? <laughs> how'd it go? Yeah, I think it went really well, honestly. Yeah. Um I mean, yeah, it's funny because. The movie, yeah, you know, has certain parts that people are <laughs> supposed to laugh at, and so it's it's good to see like when it works and doesn't. I yeah. think yeah, overall, like people laughed at the places where I was hoping they would, um, and I was really happy as well because after the screening, uh, I got to talk to some people, and mm-hmm. people seemed like they liked the score in the movie, which I'm happy about because my friend Aaron, Daniel, Jacob did a really good job with that as well. Um, yeah, and it's always fun seeing it on a on a big screen. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, I, I was really happy with the way it went. Yeah.
2: You
1: were in the audience, too. Yeah. I know. I
2: was in the audience. I felt like I was seeing it for the first time almost because I hadn't seen it in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just turned out really awesome. And I think people did respond to all most mm-hmm. of the parts, too. Yeah. And it's so great because, like, if you have a serious drama, like, you never know the audience's reaction. But, mm-hmm. like, them laughing was just reassuring. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. like, okay, yeah. this is good. Yeah. <laughs> like, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so... Uh, can I ask, what are you working on now? That's, uh, Ooh, what's, next, what's, next for, what's next for both of you? <laughs>
1: um, Sydney? <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get a short film out next... Well, filmed next summer, so yeah. stay tuned for that. <laughs> Directed by me.
1: Mm-hmm. No, oh. <laughs> uh, and I, I wrote a pilot version of Stevie's Aliens as if it was, oh, cool. like, a, a limited series. And I would love to write a feature version, but that's, like, pretty daunting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, I really like to make a horror short film next, and so I have a couple of ideas that I'm sort of fleshing out. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, all that's what we're doing. <laughs> <Yeah. Cool. laughs> mm-hmm. um, so where can uh, people, where will people be able
0: to find uh, this film or your other work, and where can people follow you for, you know, what's, what's coming down the road?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at Austin S. Harris no spaces or anything and Stevie's Aliens is going to be on oh my gosh I'm going to get the name of their website wrong uh, it's going to be on watchdust.com mm-hmm. and I think it's going to come out in January okay. um, and so yeah people will be able to see it there and then my, my website is austinsharris.com and so my past work is on there
2: Yeah, I feel like all of my Instagram and Twitter handles are like spelled really weird. So you can find most of my stuff at Sydney, S-I-D-N-E-Y in butler.com. Great. (laughs) Um,
0: Well, thank you both for uh, taking time out of the festival to sit down and chat more about your film. It was great to talk to you both. Thank Thank you. you. Absolutely. (laughs) And thank you for listening. For more information on Nifty 2018 presented by Oculus, The Talented Youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram at Nifty Film. And for more podcasts from Party Fish Media, follow us on social media at Party Fish Media.
2: Oh, i fish Media.